0: Hi, this is Tamsin Granger
1: and Dan Abuhoff.
0: with Tamsin and Dan read the paper on uh, Monday, October 23rd, 2023. Yeah, fall, right? Definitely. Feels
1: like it, looks like it, it's fall. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's bracing. We're still getting over cold, but uh, we'll, we'll make it. Um. Yeah, so, you know... Because we're getting over colds, I find myself sitting in front of the TV set watching a lot of sports. Not that I need an excuse to do that, and um, but one thing I mentioned to you: not only am I watching the baseball, which of course I would watch anyway, because this is playoff baseball, and somebody has to watch it. Well, uh, everybody's watching it. I don't know. My we're, mother is watching it. Yeah, your mother has trouble finding that stuff. I don't know. I, I can't. She's no longer a reliable reporter on that, but. So, we're in the Philadelphia area, so we're getting a lot about playoff baseball. And I'll tell you right now, there are four teams left in the playoffs. They're the best team. So, they could well win the whole thing. The and Phillies. Yeah. You'll never hear the name. The NBA. fighting Phillies. Well, they're the best team. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it's played out. I can give you details, but I know you don't want that. But, no, uh, I know. You Your are.
0: guy, Zach Wheeler, has been
1: the guy, the amazing. Guy, I was screaming from the rooftops, the Mets should never get rid of. And I was the only ma- voice in the wilderness on that. And... He's the best pitcher in the playoffs, one of the best in the league. And uh, the Mets uh, were too busy. They couldn't sign him a few years ago. That wasn't going to happen. So um, there's that. And the funny thing is that the second best pitcher also was a former Met. Uh, You know, and that's, uh, what's his name? The guy, um, Kate Upton's uh, husband, what's his name again? The guy with Houston. Well, it will come to me. Uh, and uh, the third best pitcher might be Max Scherzer. Um, so uh, there you have it. Come on. It's, he's the number one guy. We all know who this guy is. You're wasting my time. All right. I'll go back to something else. I'll get it in a minute. Justin Verlander. There you go. How could I forget? Justin Verlander. Um, he may well be pitching against uh, Wheeler in the uh, finals. If he's not, Scherzer will. So there's a lot of ex-mets out there. But here's what's interesting. I'm even watching college football, which I never watch, and uh, you like it more than I do. But part of it is because it, well,
0: I like it because it means fall to me. All right, <laughs> you know, could be. It sets the stage. You know, I'm I'm doing various uh, little projects or cooking or it's true. whatever. I like it. I like to have you have it on you know, the background. In the background, right. I feel like uh, it. I don't know. It takes me back
1: or something. Yeah, okay. I don't know. So I watch these games and. Uh, Oh, you watch the news? Yeah, exactly. Oh, excuse me. And uh, but I will. I'm getting into it more because the Time Sports section is entirely different since they bought the Athletic, and in a sense, uh, they outsourced the uh, sports section to this organization called the Athletic. And it's an important distinction because uh, the Athletic is a non-union shop. And the Times is a union shop, so you can imagine the tensions there. The, the, the uh, other reporters at the, uh, the Times are very down on The Athletic and, and the move the Times made. And they continue to argue that the Times made a big mistake of should, re- should have restored the old sports section. The old sports section, which uh, had nothing to do with sports, as I've been raging about, but I stopped because it's kind of silly. We don't like to complain on this cast. I hope people understand that. <laughs> and uh, But strangely, New York Magazine had a little piece on on this subject about the Athletic and the Times, and they say the old sports section of the Times focused, quote, on investigations and human interest stories. Uh yeah, maybe, and but not sports. And uh but what was interesting to me was, again, I don't like to, I don't like to complain, but they quote a letter from Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader Written to the Times a year ago, and he said you had a full page on some soccer stadium in Milan, but nothing on the Mets or Yankees. So Ralph Nader, (laughs) seeing the way, seeing things the way I do. So anyway, the athletic. Uh, now, combined with the Times, enhances my appreciation of college football. Yeah,
0: you used to grumble. You used yeah. to say, I, I, used to, I used to turn on the. College I was football, a different guy. And you would say, I'm not interested in college football. I don't know anything about it. Right, now. And now.
1: I'm on top of it.
0: You're, you're on top of it, so yeah. it's interesting to you. Yeah, yeah, well, why not? Thanks yeah. to The Athletic. Well, so. But, the, I, you know, I end up reading The Athletic. Oh, do uh, you really? Well, various articles, yeah. And, and what not, do you think? Not, they have some interesting articles, and you know, back in the day, we yeah. used to get Sports Illustrated.
1: Yeah, it's like, Sports and Play. I
0: would flip through that mm-hmm. and read an article here or there, not consistently any sport or or anything, just what caught my eye. Right. Yeah, probably more human interest, yeah. I guess. I don't know, but uh, um, so now, uh, since there's no Sports Illustrated, I do sometimes.
1: Well, the athletic, you know, it, it, it's not a matter of do you have hard news. Or do you have a feature? And I'm saying I want the hard news. That's not it. I'm all into the feature writing. And those pieces can be of any length as long as they're interesting, maybe even clever. And uh, the longer pieces were in-depth and sometimes very well written in Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. You won't see that in The Athletic because it's a newspaper orientation. They don't have, there were some very long pieces, you recall, in right. Sports Illustrated and very well yes. written. Um, but that's not there, right? So we missed that. But the, other, the feature stuff, uh, because I know the scores... Uh, is insightful. It has an interesting angle. It shows a, an understanding of the sport itself mm-hmm. uh, and the players and what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, the stuff that was totally missing from the Times because the Times sports Couldn't... section was not written, was written by people not understood in sports. That's all. It's, it's, it's that simple. <laughs> are, you, are you
0: serious about that? Yes.
1: I'm, no, about I'm, 100%. It. I'm 100%. I'm 100%. In it. Yes. 100%. I can give you names. I don't but it see would seem
0: to me that there are guys lining up. No, but that's not who they hired. But that's not lining who they, up to write about sports. That's
1: not who they hired. They, <laughs> I'll just tell you, the guy who was the editor of the sports section for the Times for the last two years, a fellow named Kurt Streeter, they hired him. They brought him in. They chose him. He was interested in social issues. He was not interested in sports at all. I mean, than he did talk a lot about how he played high school tennis. And that uh, therefore he's interested in tennis and therefore he likes this player and that player who we should be paying attention. It was that kind of thing, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, he, you know, he was right on board with, you know, there should be no NFL, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. And yet that's what sports are in this country, you know, so yeah. there you go. Um, anyway, I went too deeply into that. But There was a, an article about, um, oh, well, there's a review with uh, of the, the last Sondheim musical was attracting a lot of... Literally
0: the last.
1: Yeah, it has to be. He passed away. Um, a lot of attention in New York. And what it was, and we talked about this before, it was a musical that was not finished that Sondheim worked on uh, with others, in particular David Ives. Uh, and it was based, is based, on two Bunwell um, movies. Bunwell being, uh, I'm going to say... Um, uh, what was he? Argentine, I believe. Uh, Louis Bonwell films. Um, and they were somewhat uh, surreal, absurd, depending on, you know, what word you want to use. The discreet charm of the bourgeoisie was one, and the other is the exterminating angel. Uh, and I think, uh, I think Bonwell was uh, Argentine. You can look that up. But uh, the, my point is that there were, you know, interesting offbeat films, not with a huge following in the U.S., but uh, films that Sondheim liked. And, he has spent the last few years of his life taking a stab at writing a musical, combining these two films, uh, which was creative in itself. Spanish,
0: uh, Spanish, not Filmmaker not not I'm sorry, in
1: France, Mexico, and okay, Spanish. Spanish, sorry, Spanish and Argentina. I'm very close, but 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 here, here here's my point. <laughs> my point is that you know the the discussion has been, you know, was sanhai really satisfied that it was a finished work or was it unfinished and Sondheim's uh, capacity or enthusiasm or energies were diminishing. And did it even make sense to put this on? That was the the debate that was going on a few months ago. But David Ives uh, said, uh, no, he was close enough to being finished. And Joe Montello, the director, and they were working with Sondheim and they think Sondheim would have accepted that this is a finished work, even if it didn't have, you know, the, the amount of songs you'd expect in a Sondheim uh, musical, in particular, uh, not many songs in Act 2. And they came to the conclusion that they said they aired with Sondheim, that Act 2 didn't need uh, songs. It was kind of antithetical to what was going on. So in any event, this gets put on in a place called uh, The Shed, which is not uh, Broadway, which is in Hutchin Yards, I'll just tell you. And, uh, you know, the Shed, you know, thinks it's got to, well, they're right. It's a very prestigious thing for them to do, so they're putting it on. I don't know how economic it is, and it has a very big cast. So, um, and as uh, I was reading the review, I said to you, and it's what I expected. It's not like uh, it's a review. It's more of a tribute. Uh, and you certainly don't, you come away with the idea that the uh, reviewer, Jesse Green, the Times regular reviewer is uh, interested in being enthusiastic and is enthusiastic to some degree, but is hardly head over heels. But, you know, it's an interesting experiment and it's nice to have this last bit of Sondheim and that's – but you, you do get – the undertone is it, it's it, – it's you know, you know what an experiment is. Experiment appeals to uh, one person in particular. When you call uh, something a worthy experiment – that means it's good for theater critics. Theater critics like to see experiments. If you have to go through the Lincoln Tunnel to see it, uh, you don't want to see an experiment. So uh, it, it's
0: not what I would call a, a Please, review. A review from look at it this way: if you love Sondheim, you may be dying to see oh, I'm not, I'm
1: not, every
0: every little. Smidgen. No, no one's may, going to go on. And you I say may so. be
1: quite curious. I, I would even if someone handed me a ticket, I'd go. But but he, 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 if somebody handed you a yeah, ticket, yeah, and, and paid the toll. But 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 it, here, here's. But I was talking to you, and you kind of opened my eyes as to why this doesn't work. And maybe want you just to explain it because I didn't get it until you explained it to me. What was the problem with this musical from the get go?
0: Well, I, I I don't really know.
1: <laughs> you do know? But I, I no, heard you I, say don't,
0: it. I don't know. But yeah. this is my feeling about yeah. It. It, yeah. it. There was a lot of talk in the review about surrealism, right? And uh, surrealism with the respect to the Bunwell. Uh, movies, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, the question is, how do you define surrealism? Now, we we talk about we use the word su- surreal every day mm. to mean you know it was it was crazy, it was unbelievable, it was beyond. Right. Uh, and uh, really, surrealism, the way it's actually portrayed to some extent in art, is super real. Okay, it's, it's, um, there, objects that, uh, are portrayed in such a realistic faction, uh, fashion, but, uh, in strange circumstances or juxtaposed, uh, with, uh, odd, um, I don't know, properties. We, we think of the Dali where the watches are melting, right. uh, like, you know, so much uh, overripe cheese, but they really look like watches, and that's what's discomforting about them is because we're seeing something, doing something that shouldn't happen. Right. Okay. And to me, you know, I do see in many ways Sondheim as a surrealist because he does take. Uh, he captures the reality of life, but kind of manipulates it uh, in such a way that, uh, I don't know, is can be discomforting, all right, but on the other hand, opens up new realities Plus, yeah, to the, you, which the, I think is often what artists in general are trying but to and do, let's help you see things a new way by how they're presented so my point was his plays many of his plays if not all of them already do that right but but, 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 but it's
1: in the hold on a second because this is something you said before I don't want you to skip this step the whole musical form is surreal in itself. The idea that exactly. it's a very but, serious set of characters in a serious situation, and they turn to the audience and start singing, that's surreal. Right, right, right. right. It's bizarre.
0: Right, um, And actually, Jesse Green brings that up himself. Right. You know, the whole form is just uh, people don't go through life singing right. uh, like that, although they probably should. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> Some of us. You could do it. Uh, I know. couldn't do it. Um, uh, so it's... It's kind of um, redundant, isn't it? Well, if if you it, it's if, redundant to say. And now I'm going to do a
1: surrealistic musical because well, musicals are. <laughs> yeah, surrealistic. I mean, in other words, uh, well, I think Sonheim's most effective musicals are basically and well, forget we the most. We just saw Merrily We Roll Along. That if you know that's a heartfelt serious situation, real characters dealing with real things in real time, and the idea that they're singing about it elevates uh, our understanding, our identification with the characters, our empathetic reaction, uh, to a surreal environment. They're singing to us, uh, and that works wonderfully well. They're singing to
0: us and moving backwards in
1: time. Exactly. So that's plenty surreal. Uh, But to take a surreal premise, in this case a surreal movie or two surreal movies, and say let's put music to that, Sondheim always struggled with that, and the result is something that re, that reflects that struggling, and as you put it to me that's it doesn't it shouldn't work, it's not surprising it doesn't work, because it's already surreal, and it's where to implant an additional level of unreality on it, uh, is what makes it so perplexing, I think that's the problem that Sondheim didn't solve yeah. and there's a reason a reason he didn't solve it, uh, and, and, and because it re- he had already solved it, because you know? be- not because he had already solved it, but because his yeah. form itself did the kind of thing that uh, this uh, foundational work was was handing was was already supplied with. Uh, it, it, it was it was redundant.
0: Right? Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, you're looking at uh, something like uh, Into the Woods, where you have
1: that, that's not the best example. I I. I I I disagree with you. Okay.
0: Okay. Because you have, uh, you have actually very modern characters trapped in a, you know, fairy tale world. Right. You know, not unlike uh, people being, you know, trapped in these movies, et cetera. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, trying and and singing their way through it and making sense of life through it. I mean, it's, I think it's very surreal. Um, all right. Well, maybe, but but, but it's kind of well, okay. We we'll can go helps. through all of them, and right. I can tell you why I find them already tremendously surreal. But again, when when they do sing, when they do, you know, examine their right. feelings through these songs, they come up with very heartfelt, rational, the um, uh, moving um assessments, realizations um, despite being in these illogical fantastical situations yeah, but now I, you know see. I I know and we talked about this before, so I know I see that I see that for Sweeney Todd, I see that for well,
1: I see it for anyone can whistle and I see it for uh, right assassins yeah and, um, and I and, and I don't I don't see anyone can whistle in assassin's a successful place. Uh,
0: but you're talking about uh financially successful no 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 i don't think
1: they're successful plays
0: but uh but, but i like certain, the music but right uh, uh,
1: and you say gee if, if the play was better maybe it would be worth
0: but the point more. is um the uh i think the premise of this last play was redundant yeah. um and just unnecessary yeah well and, it didn't and, didn't lend itself to musicalization. It, well, it went, and, and, and 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 that's therefore a more complex problem to solve. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, well the problem it. didn't
1: get solved and, and what uh, Green says in the review is that so you don't have any music in the second act and uh, in a way that's fitting. But on the other hand it could have used something we don't know what it is. So uh anyway. Uh yeah, but speaking <laughs> of
0: musicals, the one the musical I wanna see. Yeah. That you're probably not going to take me to. Yeah. Is the one based on uh, Buena Vista Social Club.
1: Well, I could take you to. but you told me we can't, get t- we
0: can't get tickets. We can sort of get tickets, but you have to, you're going to have to pay some money for them. All
1: right. We'll talk about that later. But You know,
0: David Yazbek, it might be really good. We, I, well, you know, it might be really interesting. Who
1: bought the Buena Vista Social Club album? You did. So right. why
0: don't you get on the horn there? And, uh, you know. Been watching sports. tickets. It's, yeah, okay.
1: It's somewhere small. All right. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's Atlantic theater. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it'd be nice to see it in that setting. The way we saw Hamilton at the Public before oh, we saw, it became a blockbuster. We
1: saw Kimberly with. Yeah, right.
0: that's fun. It's okay. fun if we get to do it. All right. But you got to
1: get on it. <laughs> you can't be sitting around watching college football. So there was an article about... Uh, Speaking of Hamilton. Hamilton in... Uh, Germany. It turns out, you know, Hamilton had some road productions in particular. He had a successful run in London, Uh, but they did a uh, big undertaking. They did a German translation for uh, Germany. That's the one area where they did a translation and they really invested in making a big overseas production. And it's closed. What's interesting about that is it was not successful. It wasn't terribly unsuccessful. It ran for a year, but it didn't get full houses and uh didn't make a lot of money. It was it was nothing like the blockbuster it was here. And the question is, uh, why? And the article that I read about it says, well, the German audience is not as sophisticated as the U.S. and, it, and British audiences because their uh, musical theater forms are not, not as advanced as...
0: Uh. Oh, that's a malarkey. Yeah. That I'm, is a malarkey. I'm telling you what I just... I heard. mean, the people, everybody...
1: Loves Hamilton. No, I'm definitely... Uh, no,
0: no, no, <laughs> apparently no. Currently not. I, no. Everybody in the U.S. loves Hamilton. All It has attracted yeah. all kinds of audiences. Right. Okay? You have 80-year-olds. You have 8-year-olds. All, right? all right? You have people who have never been to the musical theater yeah. before. Okay? Yeah. Um, it's just... Uh, I think it's because it's uh, just uh, very, very... American, yeah, that's right. and I think you—if you don't have that, you know, cultural context, it—it um, it doesn't quite work. It must have been a huge project to translate this into German, sure. you know. But they did it, yeah. yeah. But um, so, but I, you know, it's—I—I'm uh, also—I'd be curious uh, what people really thought in London, anyway. And uh, how much people really enjoyed it being on the, kind yeah. of the other side. Well, but, but that, that tells you something uh,
1: about the music. Look, I'll just put my cards on the table. I think Hamilton was an excellent musical. I don't think it's a great musical. Uh, but, uh, but I think it was, I really enjoyed seeing it. We saw it twice and it's very compelling. But in a lot of things going forward, including our connection to American history... And right. how it resonates with us, right? Not, a, but that I'm distinguishing that from art form. Is this the greatest? You know, is it my family? No no no, 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 it's no. not my family. But lady. what I'm talking yeah. about is very successful.
0: Yeah, it has a huge audience. Right. Okay, for, for people who know even less American history than we know, you know, yeah.
1: Um, so, but, but. But, but it doesn't translate to people who have no interest in American history. Exactly. And that's what Exactly. American history, that, American culture, well, if, maybe yes.
0: even, I mean, you know, various uh, American...
1: Well, the question is, I don't know the answer to it, the Sondheim translate to Germany. I don't know. You'd like to think so. God knows there's enough German music that people sit and listen to the New York Philharmonic play. So who knows? I would
0: say probably yes, because I really am always touched by... The universal themes right. of Sondheim. Yes. I mean, uh, Merrily We Roll Along. That's about relationships and uh, going through life and uh, looking back on life, etc. That's that's
1: not an American idea. That's well, I'd be interested to know. I just I think you're right. I don't know. The only you know, I, I, well, maybe I'll look into that. Maybe I remember uh, seeing uh, ooh, a documentary about Fiddler on the Roof. And they focused a lot on how successful it was in Japan. Do you remember uh, seeing that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, that kind of universality is hard to achieve. But yeah. Uh, well,
0: well, remember when it was being written? Yeah. We're, you know, we're not we're not writing a Jewish musical. Right. We're writing a musical about tradition. That's right. That's right. And uh, that you know, having that focus uh, apparently resonated. Yeah. With anyone who uh, well, the story feels a sense yeah that
1: goes back to the story about the uh, Hornick and Bach had written it and they're working with the uh, uh, director. who kept saying to them uh, Jerome Robbins, and he kept saying to them, "Look, uh, what is this about? What in one word? What is this about? What is this about?" And they went. They, they would throw it's about judaism or it's about uh people suffering or it's about their refugee crisis or it's about this or it's that and finally after two months of asking that question they just threw up their hands and say it's about tradition he said that sounds right uh and get me a song about that that's right, right? that's, that's the did. way it works and, yeah all right so speaking of uh, get me well this is not get me a song there's an article about cameo well we've had uh, some birthdays recently including well, that's relevant to including this.
0: Peppers, Mommy oh yeah right well, uh Noel yeah. celebrated a birthday right and it, it was a rough birthday i gotta say because uh, pepper had a sort of a reoccurrence of the RSV and was in the hospital for a yeah. few days but on Noel's birthday she was released and so it was great that's a, present, yes. that's a birthday present okay, okay. um so uh
1: Anyway, you uh well, you know, sometimes uh, what turned out to be a great birthday present to give is a cameo video. And uh, cameo, as many people probably know, uh, is uh, a service in which you get on, and they have all kinds of celebrities signed up, and uh, you pick a celebrity, and uh, for a certain charge, uh, you provide certain information and uh, maybe some uh, some requests. And the uh, celebrity will record a birthday greeting or an anniversary greeting, whatever it is, and it's sent to you, and you send it on to you know the celebrant. So it's your a friend. It's a video. It's a video. Clip. Yeah, it's a video clip. Video uh, with the and, sound.
0: And it's personalized. And it's, it's personalized it, according to what information you, you give. Given you them. Give. Some and, people do better jobs than others, course, right? Yes. Very often, the lesser celebrities. Well, let me get into that in a second. So, the the
1: Times article is is about Cameo. It's a crashing and burning. It was supposed to, it was going great. Now it's not going so great. And it's a whole long story about excess. This guy started it, and and they had the service I just described, and they tried to expand it, and they tried to make it into involving parties and, and, and all kinds of auxiliary services. They tried to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And nothing else really caught fire. And then they tried to grow by getting more and more celebrities. They were concerned that they only had C-list celebrities. They wanted B-list. They wanted A-list. And, you know, the standard compensation is you get someone who's a, I'm going to use the word celebrity very broadly, uh, and that person gets a percentage of whatever that uh, the person like me gives. Percentage goes to service. Percentage goes to that person. Well, to get the A-list celebrities or the B-list celebrities, uh, they'd have to give them a bonus up front, and then there was all kinds of competition among who they were signing. If you gave that guy a hundred thousand dollars, you got to give me a hundred thousand. Anyway, this resulted in, in they're taking a huge step back and firing a lot of people and sort of regrouping. It reminds me of what the law firms went through a few years ago. Well, some law firms, not not my law firm, but but okay. but uh, but
0: hmm.
1: but. Uh, my view of it has always been what you just started to describe. You don't want, you know, it's not like you're, you're when you're uh, arranging to have a birthday greeting sent. It's not like you want to arrange to have it sent by Wayne Gretzky. And so Wayne Gretzky says, you know, hi, Thompson, happy birthday. And hi, uh,
0: Thompson. Thompson, happy birthday. Well, it's a great Wayne Gretzky invitation.
1: Uh, but you, I think my view is that there's nothing wrong with a so-called C-list celebrity. It, it, it What's nice is to find someone who's a little bit obscure, but has some connection with the person with whom you're dealing. So, for example, for my friend Harry's birthday, there was somebody who was a uh, Met player, not a superstar, Andy Chavez, who did a great play that we were all attuned to, and I knew Harry was attuned to, and... Uh, uh, I arranged to have him do the greeting, and uh, he did a great job for two he, reasons. One is that I gave enough information; he knew what Howard was interested in, and he related to it because it had to do with a particular play that he made. And also because if you got a guy like that, he's into it. He's not Wayne Gretzky. He's not like he's a superstar. Or he's above it, you know. This and he's picking up a little money doing this, you know. He, he did.
0: He did a great job. He did it, fantastic. It was well read, right. and he even wore a T-shirt that had a silkscreen print of him making the play. The play that we're talking about, um, the great catch. So, I mean, it was terrific.
1: It was terrific. And uh, and uh, we did one for Sadie, and it was Wayne, Wade Minter, who's the uh, PR guy for the Canes Hockey Group, which, who I found out, by the way, is uh, has a nine-to-five job. He's a chief technology officer of a startup company. He just does, this, he does the, uh-huh. the Canes the work side. in the evening. Yeah. But he did a very nice job talking about yeah. uh, Sadie, and I understand you used to root for another team. I rooted for another team, same team as you, and blah, blah. So he did a great job. But he was a, you pick the right person. This is what I'm telling you. If you have a birthday out there that you're looking to help celebrate, think about this. Because there are all kinds of interesting people. That, so they're that, still in business. They're, they're crashing business, and burning, but they're still in and business. And there are plenty of C-list celebrities Available. that are, are worth contacting and uh, and getting them involved in your birthday celebration. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. All right. So you have a, a museum update. Is this in a museum update?
0: Well, it sort of is. <laughs> you know... Uh, yeah. One of the popular museums in the world, uh, the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, was having a promotion to celebrate their 50th anniversary, or 50 years of being open. And they uh, collaborated with the um, Pokemon card people Uh uh, and uh, created this scavenger hunt that would uh, result in, if the uh, people would go through the scavenger hunt and when they completed it, they would end up at the gift shop and yeah. get um, so people were um, very excited about these cards. Now you know Pokemon cards uh, have value. They've can did you realize people collect? I was just Pokemon? gonna say no. Well, how would I know that? I mean, I, I thought you just I mean I, I mean I knew it. Um, they, you know they've they're s- still in demand. And people collect them. There are Pokemon cards that go for millions of dollars. No, it's not. Yes, yes, millions of dollars. All right. Um, So anyway, uh, they um, and they even had uh, they had some paintings created to uh, in the um, Van Gogh style, like uh, of like Pikachu, Mm -hmm. um, looking you know with the felt hat, just like uh, one of the. Famous uh, Van Gogh self portraits. Um, Hmm. And uh, so, um, uh, anyway, riots ensued in the gift shop. Yeah, you know talk about exiting through the gift shop and i I saw a little video of people kind of going crazy uh they are grabbing the prints of the self-portraits they're grabbing postcards they're lining up for their cards plus you have resellers resellers of the cards waiting outside for people who've gone through the scavenger hunt offering to buy Mm -hmm. the cards off of them as they exit the museum Mm -hmm. uh so uh Poor Van Gogh Museum had to call a halt mm. to this promotion uh-huh. uh, but certainly it you know it, the hope was that it would uh, help uh, you know encourage a larger audience uh-huh. uh, which uh, it probably did. I mean you could go in there I mean once' you go in there it's a, it's a very um, uh, great it's a fun, beautiful accessible uh, collection. To be in. So, uh, you know, and they got a lot of press right. out of it, I think. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's too bad uh, that uh, some people are not going to get their cards. But, uh, you know, kind of a fun thing,
1: interesting thing.
0: And, uh, you know, uh, all PR is good PR. All
1: right. So there are, we don't do political stuff. And I don't mean to do this in a political way. But there's a book that uh, Mitt Romney has put out called Romney, A Reckoning with some memoir. And Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah, senator for a long time, roots in Massachusetts, has always been presented as sort of a sober, uh, serious, um, you know, a guy with a fair bit of stature and intelligent guy. I'm not disputing any of that. What's interesting to me about the book is that uh, people say it's very forthcoming in terms of his feelings about a lot of Republican figures, many of which are controversial. Okay. That sounds like maybe that, that makes the book more interesting. But the quotes that I'm seeing from the book are kind of snarky. Um, and, uh, You're surprised. I'm surprised. So surprised that I, I can't – I don't believe they're his statement. I, or that someone pumped this up. but I don't know. It's his book. I'll just tell you what they are. It doesn't make you difference if I'm surprised or not. Maybe you'll explain it. There's one in particular. All right. So, uh, for example, he talks about Newt Gingrich – All right, so according to this article in the Times, the quote from Romney was that he saw Gingrich as a ridiculous blowhard. Uh, And his wife, Romney said his wife Anne, thought Gingrich was, quote, a megalomaniac seriously needing psychiatric attention. So that's a little bit over the top, don't you think? No? Daniel, 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 you are so naive. How, How am I naive?
0: How how are you naive? You know, uh, his political persona, his public persona, uh, is what it is. It has nothing to do with the real person. Really? So I'm not surprised that there's a different voice that comes out when uh, he, you know, as uh, the British say, you know,
1: when he's at home, okay? Yeah, but that's... Who
0: is he when he's at home? But it's not like, like, uh,
1: it's uh, it's an off the cuff, it's in the book, so... He describes Rick Perry as a prima donna, low-IQ personality. He describes, uh, well, Ted Cruz, I can say, as scary and a demagogue, right? And and yet he's getting press for all of this, right? Well, he doesn't want press. He's retiring. Well,
0: why else would he write the book? All right, here's the one. He doesn't want people... He wants... he, He says... He's putting this stuff in the book okay. to create controversy, to create readership. All right, let me ask you this, right. this is
1: the one that gets me, okay? Let me cut. I'm not here to read a bunch of quotes, okay? Um, Chris Christie, okay? Evaluating Chris Christie's 2024 campaign, Romney labels Christie, quote, another bridge and tunnel loudmouth, end of quote. Now, let's pause. Sounds a little bit on the nose, but other than that, (laughs) but what is a bridge and tunnel allowed? Mitt Romney's not a New Yorker who has a view about people who are bridge and tunnel. What does that even mean? Bridge and tunnel people, New Yorkers say bridge and tunnel people are unsophisticated because they come from the outer boroughs. They don't live in Manhattan. That's what bridge and tunnel means to me. To call him a bridge and tunnel, we can argue about
0: what people mean by bridge and tunnel. It's to say he's from Jersey.
1: He's an idiot. I mean,
0: yeah. Well, people look. He's just. First of all, I'm not and surprised tunnel, that once in a while people let their hair down. And uh, This is a memoir. A, I know. He's not a saint, okay? He's not a saint. Uh, all right. A just... uh, memoir only sells if you can have some salacious stuff in it. All right. Now, assuming he didn't, you know, he didn't sleep around with all these people, he, he what's he going to do? <laughs> Insult them, all right? That way people will read all right.
1: it. Well, okay. Go on. I'm, right, I'm naive. Please. Uh, yeah i don't i don't think no i don't think i
0: don't i don't think he's the sort of airbrushed uh, edited uh, personality he does look you pretty see. airbrushed yeah, yeah he does okay yeah. um, so uh in the new york times uh, mention of the uh, uh, what do you call it consecration of uh, the largest hindu temple in the western hemisphere yeah. okay i'm going to Try to pronounce this. The Arkshardam Manha Mandir, okay, temple in little old Robbinsville, New Jersey, yeah. okay, opened last week. They've been building it for 15 years. It has cost, they say, $96 million. Oh, God. All right. Now, you may remember that on this very podcast, uh, uh, we discussed that uh, uh, Lisa Walsh, Kathy Easton, and I went to visit this temple. They were allowing visitors in even before it was completed. And this was a while ago. This was like five or so, at yeah. least probably five years ago. Yeah. And, and it was extraordinary. I mean, it, it, it is extraordinary. It has some 10,000 statues. Yeah. Right? It has spires that go yeah. 200 feet into the air, it covers a hundred and eighty acres. There's apparently a forty-nine foot tall gold statue, um, in it. So it's quite extraordinary. Now, it's a little. It's controversial uh, because uh, there's a um, federal criminal investigation into the. Um, the build The builders are accused of forced labor, low wages, poor working conditions um and so there's you know this uh lawsuit going on. Right. The builder says the um yeah. people were actually volunteers they do it yeah, okay. in the faith tradition they're not employees that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's all kind of a mess, but it's going to put robbinsville on the map I, I can't tell you how nothing robbinsville right. is you're just driving down route 130 route 130 is nothing to write home about in new jersey oh, uh but uh robbinsville you don't even notice when you go through yeah. and now suddenly they're going to have a their plans to build hotels for the really? visitors
1: yeah well look i yeah. i acknowledge that that's kind of they're the deal although just to put it in context you did say it's the largest Hindu temple in the Western Hemisphere. I'm going to say the Eastern Hemisphere probably has bigger temples. I'm just going to throw that out this, there. This
0: is huge. This is right. huge. And there's there's a, um they, this sect believes that uh, God inhabits the um, figures of the deities that they have there, and these figures are fed and washed, and you know there are various ceremonies that uh, you can uh, observe uh, with them. Um, It it, it makes sense. Apparently, New Jersey has a rather large percentage of Hindu population—some some 400,000 Hindu in uh, New Jersey, which is about 3% uh, of the total. So so anyway, and I will say, it's an extraordinary building. Mm -hmm. I also you know definitely remember remember going into the gift shop yeah. all right which had many interesting objects and fabulous snacks <laughs> okay um, and uh, I I really thought I would go back there frequently to buy these snacks because they were completely different and quite tasty um, so maybe I have to take another trip back well, they, there they but they have a, they're, now they're going to be these huge crowds they have
1: a website probably now though you can buy it online uh, I
0: can probably go to any, like,
1: Asian, not the same. Indian market. They're not blessed, not blessed yeah. the same way. Uh, well, I could match that. So our last story, I know you're, you're talking about big Hindu temples, or the, the sort of a spiritual element to that, Robbinsville. How about Holmdel, New Jersey? The home of the Holmdel Horn Antenna, built in 1959, which was instrumental... In the determination of the origin of the universe, I'm not talking about you know just one hemisphere. This
0: is about the origin of the universe. Well, this, too, my this temple is, is about this is the this is right the up
1: there. Okay, the origin of the universe. Okay, Here, here's the way it works. The antenna is built by AT and T Bell Laboratories in 1959 in Holmdel, and two young astronomers, Arno Penzias and Robert Wilson uh noticed that when they use the antenna they sense this omnidirectional hiss each night. Now somehow, and this is not explained here as if it could ever be explained, this hiss was identified as, as a leftover as leftover heat from the Big Bang, lending support for the Big Bang theory, resulting in the formation of the universe. And for that theory, Penjas and Wilson won the Nobel Prize for Physics in nineteen seventy-eight. And the Holmdell antenna was designated as a National Historic Landmark. Well, as matters uh, go on, and Homedale, <laughs> I would put on the same level as Robbinsville, uh, you know, this was uh, at and property. So at and gets broken up into various companies and uh, Be- becomes Bell Labs. Then it becomes Lucent, then Alcatel, then all Nokia. Right, all right, all
0: right, all right. Tell co- me what you want to tell me.
1: The point is that at a certain point, somebody ends up owning this, and they say, okay, what is this strange structure here? It looks like a leftover I'll show you from an amusement park. It doesn't—it looks ridiculous. It doesn't look like anything modern. Right. And they're going to tear it down, and to make more rooms. they're going to have uh, a, an older person living facility there. And then uh, people rise up and say, no, 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 no. This is how we discovered the origin of the universe. You can't do that. And there was a big outpouring and everything. And uh, now they've reached... Um, Uncompromised, uh, there will be a building there, but a certain portion of the property will be a a park, which will feature the uh, Hondell, uh horn antenna, which will not be moved. And, uh, and this comes as great relief to Robert Wilson himself, who's shown here, smiling about the idea of preserving the antenna. Uh, but no
0: one will know it's there. Well, uh, they they I say mean, he'll know it's there, but it's, it's not like it's going to
1: it's going attract...
0: To Anybody, but it's good. And you know, I, it's. I think it's good to have these, like, touchstones and mementos of the past.
1: Well, it's also the highest point in Monmouth County, so it will be celebrated <laughs> as. That's where I'd put an antenna. Mm-hmm. So it will be the, the focal point of a sprawling thirty-five acre public park, and they're hopeful that uh, new generations will observe this antenna. But as again, I mean, people
0: will be out there walking their dogs and say, "Hey."
1: It Looks Martin, like, look at this. It looks like you know, it's from Back to Back to the Future. So it looks it crazy. Looks it's like a space Rube, age. It looks, looks space, it age. looks like a Rube Goldberg contraption or right, a Jetson That's thought what of what was need. space age 50 years ago. And yet, there it is. All right, so there we go. New Jersey being the focal point, both spiritually and in terms of origins of the universe, that continues notwithstanding that it was populated by uh, bridge and tunnel blowhards. Uh, we have that to live down. That's in. one way to think of us. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's we're remembered in various ways. It's, it's New Jersey yeah, really be takes it. People might call
0: you a bridge and tunnel blowhard. Really? really? Yeah. Uh. You've
1: done your share of bridge and tunnel duty. Really?
0: No doubt about it. All, All right. right. We got to go.
1: All right. We'll uh, see you next week. This, this is Dan Abuhoff. Ab- you know, Ab- 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 and Ab- and Dan St. Granger. See ya.